Thank you. All right. So I'm going to just say the intro thing, even though it's probably going to be pre-recorded, but it just sets us up for the interview and then means yeah. that we can just jump straight in. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. Today's podcast, Gemma Perkins and I will be hearing the story of uh, Rumbi McQuee, who came through our School for Changemakers program. Rumbi was born in Zimbabwe and came to Britain with her parents when she was 14. Soon after arriving in the UK, she experienced feelings of not belonging, and this spurred her to create African Youth Arise, a program which provides skills development, mentoring, and a peer community to 11 to 25-year-olds in the East Midlands. So hello Rumbi, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Emma. Uh, I'm really excited to be to be part of this uh, podcast. Hi Gemma, how are you doing? Good to see you again. <laughs> hello there, good to see you too. I'm well. So we're really looking forward to hearing more of your story today. And actually, I only shared a snippet of your journey in my introduction because I'd love for you to expand and just tell our listeners a little bit more about your experiences to date and what action these experiences have led you to take. Yeah, sure, Emma. Um, yes, you did a really good job in, in, in introducing me. I was thinking when you... You, you were introducing me, I was thinking, actually you've already preempted uh, what I'm gonna what I'm gonna talk about. Uh, but really, you know, um, uh, as you stated, I moved to the UK when I was about uh, 14. Uh, I went to a boarding school in Zimbabwe uh, and I also went to a multiracial school and all these sort of like experience are very um, relevant to what we're going to talk about. And when I moved to the UK, the school system was very different. The culture was very different. Despite Zimbabwe, you know, being a uh, a British colony, um, yeah, I found it a very even strange, I think, experience uh, for me. But also excited uh, to be in a new place. And I've sort of like kept that excitement. I would say, you know, um, that exploration, that wanting to just explore different cultures and meeting new people. Um, I think, you know, that experience sort of like set me up for for what I'm doing now and the people I've met and, um, and you know, some of the programs I've been part of. And, you know, so yeah, it's been a really exciting time since I was 15. Um, I've learned a lot and, um, uh, and I continue to learn, yeah. So can you share some details of any particular like poignant moments you can remember happening that led you to start African Youth Arise? Yeah, um, I mean, quite uh, quite a few. I think when I was in school, um, my hair was very different. And as you can see, <laughs> uh, my hair is, is very much out there. And I've always had uh, Afro hair, you know, for those who can't see me, I've always had Afro hair and been very proud of it. And I went to school age 15, I had uh, Bantu knots. And I remember being bullied for for having bantu knots and I was being called all sorts of names. And I remember actually getting into a fight because I, want, I wasn't just going to have it. And, um, and I just thought like there wasn't anywhere to get support. There wasn't anywhere in that school. 
um, where I could really talk about, you know, how it really felt to be picked on because of the way you look like or because of the state of your, your natural hair. And I just thought like, what else could my parents have done? What else could I have done? Instead, I got an isolation. Um, and I think the other thing was around, um, I think in the riots in 2011, if I'm not mistaken, um, they were, there they were, they were riots or protests um, in Tottenham. And it was around uh, the, the relationship between the Black um, young people we, uh, in the Tottenham community and the police. And I remember at that time, my, my, my brother also had an experience. One of my younger brothers had an experience with the police um, that I wasn't pleased with at all, which I thought was really, really unfair. He was just coming out of the house. Um, at the time, we had just moved into a very predominantly white, sort of like middle-class neighborhood um, in Northamptonshire, in the borders of Northamptonshire. And he came out of his house, as you do, uh, wearing a tracksuit, going to a friend's house. And um, he was stopped by the police. And uh, apparently he matched uh, the, 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 the description of, um, of, uh, of someone who had committed a crime. And to his rescue, my neighbor who, who, was, um, who went to the police and said, actually, it's not him, that's my neighbor's, uh, my neighbor's son. And for me, it really just ignited something in me. And I thought, you know, I'm seeing young black boys absolutely rioting and protesting and destroying communities. Um, if I don't do something about it, my brother is also going to get very angry, rightly so, and, and go and protest against all these sort of, uh, you know, being stopped and searched uh, without actually the police doing what they're supposed to be doing and following through what they're supposed to be doing. So I think for me, that was one of the main experience that really pushed me to, um, to start something, to start an organization that was going to support young people, um, to enable them to really speak their mind in a safe space. Um, I know at School for Changemakers, we talk a lot about creating a safe space, creating brave spaces where we can really be authentic with ourselves, where we can really talk about the challenges that we encounter as, as people within um, the minorities, uh, despite what diversity line uh, we are. So I wanted to create that for younger people because I saw that missing. Uh, in schools, I saw that missing at university, there wasn't a place like that where I could really sort of like um, relate. So I wanted to create that within our community really. And I think the other thing I noticed was uh, the community that I come from is, is a very religious community, I would say. Um, and I also identified that there was an opportunity to really engage the, the 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 Christian community uh, within my my community, and uh, and sort of like discuss openly some of these issues that were happening within uh, amongst our especially our black boys. Um, you know, I love all young people, and um, but I really do feel for for the young black boys. I think 
there is a lot that happens. They're really misunderstood. Um, and, and I just thought actually, uh, you know, let's create a space where they can really talk about their emotions, uh, where they can offer some solutions. Because I was talking to a lot of young people and there's so many solutions. And I'm like, well, who's listening to, to all of these, you know, solutions? Because they've got, they've got them and they know some of the things that need to be done to keep them engaged or to, to really listen um, you know, but there was no one doing that at that point. So, so yeah, so I think for me, um, if we were to talk about a poignant moment, uh, I think that would be it around 2011, um, when I always say that it's depending on the side of the fence you're on, they are protests, or some would call them riots. That must have been really, really frustrating to um, to have to experience that. Gemma, were you going to jump in then and say something? Yeah, I was just thinking how it's very interesting that you can see something you're not happy with and respond in a you know with, with anger, frustration, or you can turn it into something positive. And so it's really nice to see that you saw the opportunity. I wondered if you might be able to tell us a bit more about how you get some of the challenges of your community and, and do the constructive work, how you, how you help the young people find the positives in it and move forward rather than getting hung up on, on the issue in a way that you know, prevents them moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think just generally, um, I'm a positive person. I'm always very smiley, but I'm also very, very passionate. And, um, and one of the things, things that's really important is to acknowledge. I think acknowledging that there is an issue, there is a problem, I think is a first start. Acknowledging that as much as I have not experienced it, like in my brother's case, I haven't, I didn't experience that stop and search. Um, which was, um, I guess, dehumanizing for him. I, I felt it and, and I, I just thought, actually, even if I haven't really, I've got that empathy, I think, just as a human being. Uh, so I think that's where some of it starts from. And I think the other thing is like, I'm generally a problem solver. I like, sometimes that gets me into trouble <laughs> and sometimes that gets me to do some of the work that I do. So I guess um, as a journey, as I was sort of like growing up, my frustration, my passion, I really had to learn on how to divert that energy. Um, and, and I think my parents have been a great uh, inspiration for that, if I am honest. Um, they are like my, my father is, uh, is a reverend uh, and has always been a reverend in the, in the Methodist church. And, and my mom was a great support in all of that. And together we actually did as a family we saw them just getting from one hurdle to another you know they didn't have anything when they moved to the UK my mom worked in a cheese factory and my dad worked did all sorts of manual jobs despite him having that position and he actually volunteered but you know what there was never a day we didn't have food on the table. There was never a day we didn't, uh, we slept in a cold house. And they constantly were just talking positively about us. And they would be very honest about their challenges that they faced. And it just became a, a way of life, I guess. It became a way of life that actually, yes, this is 
this is the way life is but you know what you have to you have to continue with life you have to proceed you have to find a way to um to to move on despite and find solutions because you know you have to find the solutions yourself you have to ask questions I remember like you know they really enabled us to to be curious so even if we didn't agree with something um and I mean my parents were very strict don't get me wrong and but they also uh, enabled us to be um to be opinionated about things and they shared some very they shared everything to do with their finances they shared everything to do with like why they were making the decisions they made so at a very younger age i was so exposed to so many life experiences and they were a community people i don't recall growing up not having another extra member of a family another extra member of a um of our extended family right um i don't recall that um we've always been surrounded by, by by cousins, by uncles, by, you know, and they just had to find a way to make it work. Um, so yeah, so that's where that some of that really sort of like stems from is it started at home. And, you know, I really think, uh, you know, we undermine um, sort of like the environment that children grow up in. And, um, you know, what they see us doing instead of what they tell what we tell them um you know so i saw that in in our household that like you know despite the issues that were there they were able to move forward and they were able to find a solution and i just i think i just like carried that on and because that's what i knew that's what i was taught and it's something that that just does come um uh, naturally uh you know um, so, so, so yeah, so that's where it stems from, I guess. And, you know, just being resilient and not thinking that you're the only one uh, sort of like going through uh, sort of like issues and stuff. And I think talking to other people also does help. Uh, it, is, it, it is quite big, I think, to, to talk to other people and being honest, finding those people, finding your your tribe, I think is really important. Like Gemma is one of the people in my tribe and I can I can really, we've had some very difficult conversations, mm -hmm. but you know what, we we tend to get through. So so yeah, it's all about that. And and also knowing that actually even if um even if uh, I haven't certainly been through that same experience, not undermining someone else's experience I think it's very important uh acknowledging other people's ex experience I think you know goes a long way because it then gives you that empathy and it get then gives you that sort of strength to find a solution to other people's um problems so yeah thank you for that so Gemma um what you mentioned when you uh, when you were speaking then about how Gemma um, is part of your tribe and how important family is within your life and in shaping your path forward. So can you just share a bit of uh, your experience with the School for Changemakers, uh, which is where you met Gemma, um, and just about being part of, um, was it the 2012 uh, cohort you were both part of? Uh, I was the 2013 cohort, and um, ah, I yeah, I was the 2013 cohort, 
And um, so how I became to know School for Changemakers, I've got a friend of mine uh, called uh, Getim Siwa, and it's very strange. We met on Facebook. She's also from Zimbabwe. And she is like, you know, one of the, you know, strong women that are, you know, that have done a lot of work within um, our Zimbabwean community. And th at the time, I think she had just graduated at, um, at, at University of Bradford and she was doing peace studies. And um, she was featured in one of the magazines. I sort of like reached out to her. At the time, it was when I was organizing summer programs actually for young people um, uh, during their holidays. And, um, and I reached out to her uh, and at the time she was in Co in Switzerland. So she emailed me back and said, well, I can't uh, attend the program. Uh, like on the certain dates I had sort of like stipulated for her to come and support because I'm in Switzerland. And as I stated earlier that I really like exploring other cultures. I love traveling. Um, I said, oh, how did you get there, you know? Um, and she, she, she told me a little bit about initiatives of change and, um, and she told me about School for Change Makers. And what she then did is uh, whenever she, uh, when she came back to the UK, we reconnected and she attended one of the summer programs and she delivered uh, amazing uh, different workshops. She's talented in many ways. She's a drama, she's a dancer. Um, so yeah, she delivered a number of workshops when she came to 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 our organization to deliver uh, um, uh, the workshops, and um, and I wanted to know more about um, about what School for Changemakers was, and she told me all about it. She told me about Krish, uh, about Denny, and the opportunities that she had had. Uh, she was part of the uh, initiative of change. Um, the oh, what is it called? I can't remember what it called. Did you do uh, co yeah, no intern. She was oh, an yeah. intern. Yeah, uh, she was an intern, and she told me how much fun she had, and um, and I was like, I really want to be part of that. Um, and when uh, there was an advert for School for Changemakers, I was like, I, I said to her, I wanted to go, and uh, and she invited me, and I remember. Um, I got to Liverpool, I had finished work. I worked for, for DHL. Uh, even at the time I used to work for DHL, I just started my career with DHL. Um, and I remember I arrived, I was in my uniform, I hadn't changed. And the first person I met was Denny uh, because that I had his number and he said, oh, hi, are you coming from work? I was like, yes, I am. Um, and that was the warmest welcome for me ever since I've sort of like been, within a gathering of a mixture of diversity of people. Uh, I had never felt so warm and I'd never felt uh, so welcome. Um, everyone just seemed really nice. They, they were very warm um, they were they were authentic. And it's one of the things that I really do care about. I, I care about people who are authentic, not care about that, but it's important for people to be authentic. It's important for people to be honest and to, to just be genuine. It was like a genuine welcome. And, and for me, I felt, you know, I was like, I, I felt a sense of belonging for the very first time within that group, um, you know, like at work, it, it's always a little bit awkward. And because I'm just, 
different. I'm a little bit loud. I'm a little bit opinionated. <laughs> yeah, people don't quite understand. But, you know, like I, I felt like I could be myself. Uh, in that space. And um, I remember it was on a Thursday uh, at Liverpool Hope uh, University. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. And I, I remember meeting the president of, um, of Initiatives of Change at the time. I can't remember her name, but she's from Egypt. Uh, and she really genuinely took an interest in who I was and why I was there. And she also shared her story about being an immigrant and all of that. And it just, life started to make sense for me as a, as a young person, I thought. And, and uh, you know, at the end of that, uh, at the end of that, the end, uh, and we learned a lot about how, um, how uh, IOC started, um, and, and I just thought it was really inspirational that in organizations that started a long time ago, um, it's still going on with people that are really dedicated to the cause of, of peace, of purity, of joy, and just ensuring that, you know, peace is being maintained in the world and people are being treated as humans like they should, you know. Um, because there's just a lot of dehumanization that's going on in the world, isn't it? So for me, I was, I was like, yeah, this is my tribe. <laughs> uh, I can certainly, uh, you know, engage with, with people like this. And, um, and yeah, that's how we sort of started. We had games night, um, you, know, you know, throughout the evenings, uh, we had a talent show. It was just amazing, really. And I remember, I think Gemma was not, at that conference. Uh, I think she attended the following year. Um, and, and I remember just meeting her and we were talking and at the time she was a teacher, I shall not share some of the stories that she did when she was a teacher. But anyway. <laughs> oh, I, don't <laughs> I can't think what they would be. <laughs> no, I'll let you share that. I'll remind you and you can share it in your own segment, okay? <laughs> about the campaign, it was all good. It was about a campaign that you did for, uh, for the other teachers when you thought, um, you know, you weren't being treated fairly and the rest of the teachers. So it's all good, nothing, nothing bad. Um, so yeah, I was really inspired uh, by, by everyone who was there. There were young professionals who are really excelling in their own fields. But they were grounded. Uh, for me, that was a, a huge thing. You know, there were these successful young young people, but also very grounded, very kind, um, so attached to themselves, and really do care about what's going on in the world. And I learned so much. Uh, you know, there was so much knowledge that was shared, um, and, and it made me even more curious and want to connect with a group of people. Um, of that caliber, I guess, because it's very rare to find, it's really rare to find, you know, uh, people who really get you and people who you get. And they were really ambitious and they like big visions and stuff. So, so for me, I was like, yeah, I want to be part of this. This is amazing. And I think the other highlight for me was, um, was Krish and Denny, the way they just took interest, like, like Krish would talk to each and every attendee of um, of that uh, of that conference, and 
you know, <laughs> he would, he, he found time. And I just found that really fascinating. Um, and, and the other elements was like the elders who were at the conference. So there was Fiona, um, there was Howard, but it was just like fascinating really, uh, you know, to sit with the elders. Um, they passed so much wisdom, you know, and they were also there, they could relate to the founder of the organization. And for me, I was like, if they've stayed in this organization for that long, there must be something really good uh, about it. And I think um, the other thing I remember was around um, the quiet time. Um, I, I'm such a busy bee and, you know, um, the quiet time for me, they they were just um, they were just what I needed. I would say, you know, to just take a pause in in my really busy schedule um, and and just to stop. Um, I think that's really important. Um, and, and yeah, I've continued to do so. Probably not as often as I should, but I know that you know. There, there is that tool if needed. I've really learned to be uh, to be in the quiet space. So yeah, um, I would say those are some of the highlights. Very long-winded answer, but you know, yeah, it's very difficult. Like uh, it's, I think it's been like what? It's been what eight years yeah. or something like that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's it's really so, yeah. lovely to hear how. Um, you know, how many highlights you've picked out. I wonder if looking back, there's a sense that any of those have maybe changed who you are or your outlook or your goals? Yes, I think, you know, they really did. Um, I remember, yeah, I think in terms of, uh, you know what I was talking about earlier in terms of like turning my, my passion, my frustration. So I think, School for Change Makers really did help me to transition that into passion. And I was talking to someone, one of my friends called um, uh, Tandy Haruperi, and she she said, you know, she she's a she's an author, and she said, you know, you have to turn your 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 pain into into a passion. And I think for me, School for Change Makers really did help me to do that. I remember I was sat in, a, in one of the segments at, um, at one of the conferences at IOFC and I really did not agree with what was being talked about at the time. And I raised my hand and without thinking, I absolutely just said exactly what I was thinking at the time. And I think a lot of people were very concerned. And uh, I remember, I think it was Sue Radley who took me on the side and just said, you know, um, are you okay? You know, I saw that you expressed, you know, your frustration. Are you okay? And I went to uh, one of the session with Peace Circles. And, um, and I remember really being given the tools to transform that kind of pain and frustration into anger. And, you know, like, I think the fact that I had attended uh, School for Changemakers really enabled me to embrace some of those tools. Uh, and Krish also is just great at turning his sort of frustrations into, um, into, into passion and into something tangible. Like it's, 
it's one of the like I think I um, uh, school for change makers is one of the you know one of his passions right um, it's because he identified that there was an issue and he did everything in his power to make sure that he engaged those young people uh, in Sheffield and part of them were Gemma and you know like he caught like for me he caught me I was in my sort of like early 20s but he managed to to, to catch someone like Jess and uh, Gemma and you know in time you know so so for me, you know, someone like Krish um, and, and Danny, of course, um, they, they've helped me to really um, see that you can, you can, you can really transform some of that pain or some of those struggles or some of those challenges into into something really positive and something bigger. Um, and, and yeah, and to start something and ten or fifteen years later for it to be in India. That's just something else, isn't it? So, so yeah, you know, they continue to be an inspiration. Um, yeah. Gemma, I think it's probably quite emotional hearing this from, from <laughs> Rumbi, because I feel a bit emotional hearing it for you. Oh. <laughs> well, it's interesting because it's a story that's so regularly rehearsed, actually, that it, al although there's, there's obviously a lot of, warmth and it's moving I think we're very good in the school for change makers community at just accepting the parts of our identity so you know I, I, I don't find that we get teary about it because we processed that before already but <laughs> but yeah it's definitely uh, having having done a few of these now words like family and tribe are coming up often and that idea of transformation and being empowered and it, it's just it's lovely that, that that's so unanimous and experience for all the people involved. So Rumbi, um, I would just like to know, with African Youth Arise, because I feel like we've spoken about it, but it would be really nice to hear a little bit more about what you're doing within the programme and kind of things that you've had to overcome in your journey with, with building the programme. If you could just expand and just tell us a bit more, that would be great. Yeah, sure. So it really formally, it started, African Netherise started um, in 2013. So I think just before I attended School for Changemakers, um, that's when it started uh, formally. Um, and it was, um, it was just like, I was working with a number of different organizations, women's organization, and there was just so much need for young people. Uh, to be engaged within our community and um, and, and yeah I, I was at a friend's house and we were having I don't know I, I think we we're having food or whatever and they were like what shall we call this organization and I really think you should start, start something for yourself and I said yeah but I'm scared I was really scared you know I just didn't think I had you know the right qualities and yeah it it, it just seemed like it was very far-fetched. Um, but I think the, the thing that kept me focused is around actually the, the, the issues that we're constantly experiencing uh, with young people. Uh, I think it really sort of like made me want to, um, to really uh, form the organization and make it function. Um, so what it's all about is to ensure that young people have got that safe space, as I, as I stated, because um, 
in an African household, um, it, it's very rare for, you know, for young people. Now we see it more and more, but it's very rare for young people to really air their views. Um, and I wanted to create that space for young people to air their views, even, even what they think. And there are a lot of taboos, right? In, in the, in the, in the, in the Africa, especially when you are stationed in the West, when you live in the West, there are a lot of taboos that the West do that, you know, it's frowned, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, it, they're, they're like, no, 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 not in this African household. Um, but what I acknowledged was actually, young people are living in the Western environment and we need to make sure that they're equipped for the challenges that are in the Western world and ensure that they're ready to, to, to go on in life. Um, so I looked back in terms of, you know, some of the experiences that I had had. For example, I'll openly say this. When I went to university, I did not have a clue. Um, I got into debt. <laughs> um, I, was, I, I just wasn't prepared. And I think for me, it really helped me to then structure the program of actually how would I have wanted to be empowered as a young person um, up until university age? What is it I lacked at the time? Uh, I remember like I really struggled to secure a, um, a placement year. I studied um, uh, business and HR at university and I struggled to secure the placement, right? And I thought actually, what is it I would have needed for me to secure that placement? Um, and, you know, so I wanted to offer that sort of environment, that sort of platform for where young people can really gain the skills that they require, but also for them to build their confidence, uh, but also for them to be, to be comfortable with their identity. They are so many things. There are so many elements that are questioned about being a black person, right? Our hair, the shape of our nose, our lips, there is just so many things I think that are questioned about being black. And I wanted them to be in a space where they could encourage each other, where they could feel comfortable with who they are so that when they go outside uh, or when they engage with the outer world outside our community, they're able to really one, to express how they feel uh, in a very, um, in a very composed way and fully express themselves, um, but also feel confident in the way they look. Because, um, you know, if your identity is constantly being questioned by the environment around you, you lack confidence, you know. It's really interesting that you you say that, Rumbi, because I've just read a book by um, Aminata Fauna uh, called The Hired Man and there's a whole section in the book around her hair so the girl the protagonist in the book is from Africa and she moves to the USA and there's a whole chapter that's dedicated to to African hair and how to maintain it and and things like that and it was so so interesting to hear you talk about that because it's not something that's necessarily sp spoken about all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you touch on that a little bit. I'll just touch on that as, as, a, as a young woman who works in the corporate space even. Um, I've had to make that conscious choice to have my Afro hair out 
um, in the beginning, <laughs> it was a bit of a head turner um, when I arrived and I would say who I am. And I was kind of almost questioned whether I actually belong in that space because of how my hair looked. Um, eventually, you know, I, um, and you know, I, I made that conscious decision and the reason, and even to a point where I decided that I was only going to have one hairstyle because I just hated that time where I walk into the office, I've got a different hairstyle. Everyone is literally saying, I'm looking for Rumbi. I can't find her, you know, uh, because they were like, oh, you look so different. What they like, you look so different because of your hair. And I got fed up of explaining that, oh, I've got extensions or no, I've got my own hair and stuff. I just got fed up of explaining that. As much as I acknowledge that people are curious and they've probably never, never met someone um, someone like me, I get that. But for me, I'm constantly having to explain that, who I am to people. Um, and, and I guess, and I think that's another, for me, I wanted really young people to feel comfortable when they enter into spaces like the corporate space, uh, because there is a certain look that's considered acceptable. But if that's who I am, then, you know, um, and, and also, you know, the fact that like Afro hair is considered scruffy and, you know, unkept. There, there are just so many things I think that are related uh, to, to, to the black identity that are, that are questioned by, by the environment that we live in. And I really wanted to quash all of those um, ideologies uh, because for me, it's like, why, why should I have to be questioned about who I am, yet I'm going to deliver when I come to work? Do you, do you know what I mean? I'm delivering probably beyond, or uh, I'm delivering exactly what I'm required to, or I'm even going beyond what I'm required to. So, so yeah. So and why should it matter? Yeah, why should it matter? Absolutely. So, so I guess that, that, that's, uh, that's one of the elements. And, and I think, the other thing regarding this program was keeping young people engaged, especially when they were not at school. They, I think, you know, teachers do an amazing job, but I think they can only do so much. Um, there's an African saying uh, that, you know, it takes a child, um, it, it takes a whole village to, to bring up a child. And I think, you know, I, I considered myself that, you know, we had to create the village uh, along with all the other services um, that are provided uh, for, for children and young people. We had to become, uh, I saw it as, as part of the puzzle that was going to be part of that village in the upbringing of African young people within this space. Um, to, to, to just ensure that they're comfortable with, with who they are. And they can also relate to people that relate to their experiences. I think it's so important. I think, you know, this whole sense of belonging, I, I think I, I told you that in 2013 is the first time I felt like I could belong in the School of Change Makers um, uh, uh, program. And, and I was like, how did I carry on not being able to belong for that long? Was I actually being an authentic self? 
And I think it, it, it also has an impact on mental health. Living in, um, in the diaspora, I guess, is really difficult for, for a young person. I think even for our parents. So I look at, at my parents, they came to the UK in their thirties. Um, and, you know, it's a huge struggle to, to, to come and completely leave everything that you had, to come and operate in a completely different, different um, uh, culture and structures and everything else. And so the, 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 there's a battle of wanting to, to hold on to that culture they left behind and pass it on to, to their children, right? Um, because it's part of who they are. Because one of the things that happens is, you know, referring back to my hair story and referring back to the story of not feeling like I could belong. You feel like an outcast in, in such an environment, right? And one of the things that I really wanted to, 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 to create a platform for is for young people that are of African descent to learn about their different cultures from Africa, right? So it was important, I think, for, for us to really enable young people to connect with their African heritage because they are they they live in a in two worlds. One, one of them, you know, at home, they're very African. You'll be told this is an African household. <laughs> you shall eat jollof rice. And you know, like out with your friends. You want to be cool, like when you're hanging with your friends, right? So we thought it was important for us to create um, that environment where we can just feel cool um, about who we are, right? Uh, you know, but I am really glad that, you know, I think we, we, we are building that up. And they can, they can pick, can't they? They've got that choice because they know the both worlds. You know, they can... They, they, they can pick and choose. And instead of looking at it as a disadvantage that they come from two different worlds, um, you know, learn to embrace it, learn to embrace who they are and appreciate who they are. They've got double to work with. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I was gonna change the topic a little bit. We already know how well accomplished you are. You've, you've been in DHL with your career for some time, you've set up African Youth Arise. So I'm going to open a can of worms by asking, what does the future hold? And I know that in, in School for Changemakers, we talk about things like coming up with a vision board and goal setting. So maybe you can touch on some of your, your aspirations for the future. Yeah, um, aspirations for the future. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you are really opening up a can of worms. Um, partnership has always been uh, something uh, that we really pursue uh, at African Either Rise. So we're looking at a number of partnerships. One of them is in Zimbabwe. In the beginning of this year, we were talking about partnering uh, with, uh, with some of the corporate partners in Zimbabwe to facilitate um, work experience for young oh, people wow. that are in the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, to go and work in the corporate space because we've got a lot of ideas, including myself, about how Zimbabwe is or how Africa is. And when I met some of my counterparts um, that are in Zimbabwe, I was, I was just mind blown. 
um, with the knowledge, with, I, I mean, I knew that we had some really amazing talent, uh, but I was just like, yeah, I was just amazed really. And I was like, actually, it would be such a great opportunity for some of our young people who want to explore working, um, uh, working in, in some of these corporate spaces, it will enable them an opportunity to engage with the culture, the traditions, and other young people uh, as well. One of the other sort of things we are looking, really looking forward to is one of the programs that we have called African Heritage Weekend. This is when we go away uh, over, over, over three, three days, two nights, um, at a residential uh, with about 50 young people. And we will explore, you know, different uh, activities, outdoor activities. Uh, we will engage with different, um, you know, professionals from different disciplines, uh, academia, those that are creatives will really get to explore their creativity and just have a really good sing-along around the fire with African drums. Um, we've not been able to do that for the past two summers, actually. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that next year uh, we'll be able to. And, um, and yeah, you know, in terms of um, uh, personally, I'm just really looking forward to, uh, to, to watching my nieces and my nephews grow. I've got five of them and I'm just really excited, uh, you know, to, to create even more time uh, to spend with them. And, um, and, and yeah, really busy. I'm a very busy auntie. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so, so, I knew yeah, you'd so, have so a long list to work through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, there is that to, to, to come. There's a lot coming. Um, and some other personal uh, things that I can't yet mention, but uh, they are in the pipeline. I'm sure the, uh, the, the School for Changemakers family will know very soon. So yeah, all exciting stuff. You see, I've left everyone so anxious and in suspense. <laughs> So finally, just just one like last question. Sorry, just one last question to finish. And um, yeah. what one piece of advice would you give to future change makers or people looking to uh, create positive change within the world? Uh, I had the opportunity to go to to, to represent uh, School for Change Makers uh, in two thousand eighteen when I went to India. It was one of the most humbling experiences. And I met people from across the world. And, um, you know, I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm from Africa. I've sort of like seen it all, but I think I ha didn't have a clue at all. Um, yeah, so, you know, you get opportunities like that. So raise your hand up for opportunities and, and yeah, just, uh, just enjoy the journey. Most importantly, enjoy it just really enjoy it. if you don't enjoy it then it's not for you you know it's not for everyone uh but yeah that's what I would say thank you Rumbi that's a lot of food for thought today and actually a lot of lessons that we can take away from from this conversation I think um I feel like I need some reflection time <laughs> <laughs> um 
So thank you so much for joining us. And we really look forward to where African Youth Arise takes you next and for anything else that you are working on and with your relationship with the School for Changemakers too. So thank you. Thank you very much, Emma and Gemma. <laughs> thank you, Gem. <laughs> Emma and Gemma confusing things. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to our Everyday Heroes podcast. Be sure to subscribe and tune in next time for another inspirational changemaker story. You can also find out more about our amazing programs via the Initiatives of Change UK website.